0: Well, hello, everybody. Oh, man, I realize, like, in terms of the the group, like, there's, like, a good chunk over here, not many here because of the sun, and then uh, some over here. Well, hello, Westside. Well, hello, everybody online as well. Um, I'm so, so thrilled and excited and honored to be here. Um, In case you don't know me, uh, my name's Michael Ono, and I... They're, they're clapping for me, which is nice. Um, I, I come from the, the Anaheim church, um, but um, in a lot of ways, and even in the, the prayer meeting this morning, we were saying how it just feels like I'm, it does feel like I'm coming home in a sense. Uh, Westside was my home church when I was going to college at UCLA, and <laughs> yes, go Bruins. Um, And this church just holds such a special place in my heart. And so many of you have been pivotal people in my life who've touched me, who've spoken to me, who have served me and picked me up in so many ways. And so it is truly an honor uh, to be with you today. And as I mentioned, I'm a leader over at Anaheim for Methodist Church. Um, specifically, I helped to co-lead our, our the Revive Service along with Pastor Lauren Wong there. And um, even got the privilege of having church camp and, and some of you were able to come to that a few weeks ago and that was um, such a blast. Um, and this week I get the, the honor and privilege of continuing on in this series on contact um, where we're exploring uh, just the different dimensions of relate, re- our relationships with God and, and others. Um, and so just as a, a quick reminder of what we're going through here. So um, it really comes from that, that verse of, of love the Lord your God with, with all your heart and mind and, and soul and strength. And so we're, we're looking at these different dimensions on strength and mind and soul and heart. And um, I'm getting to... to uh, speak to you today about the dimension of the mind. <laughs> so i um, super excited about this. And so for me, you know, I started even for myself, I'm just gonna let you guys in honestly on even my thought process as I was preparing for today. And I guess just to start us off, right? The mind, if we think about that, that dimension here, mind is really that side of us that is the the rational, the thoughtful, the analytical side of us, the part of us that takes in information, that processes things, and ultimately interprets uh, what's going on around us. And so our mind is really that filter that shapes and directs how we view the world around us. And then as I was reflecting on this, it, it occurred to me that, I thought about some of the language that we use sometimes when we, when we talk about loving God and and relating to God. And I do think that sometimes we downplay the mind in certain ways, right? We'll we'll say things like, oh, you can love God in your head, but it doesn't really matter if you don't love him in your heart. Or we'll say things like maybe you can know things about God, but you don't really know God. And I've certainly said those things and I, I think they're, we're making valid points there. But at the same time, I think it creates this dichotomy between our thoughts and our feelings and emotions that I don't think is quite right. And so for me, when I started thinking about this, I was like, well, what does it, what does it actually feel like? to engage with our minds, and to love God with our minds. And so I'd like to, um, I want to invite us to think about something. Uh, picture <clears throat> uh, your your favorite mystery novel or film or TV show. And for me, I'll just share one of mine is... Um, this one, The Prestige, I don't know, does anyone does anyone like this movie, The Prestige? It's an older one. Uh, Christopher Nolan directed it. Christian Bale, Hugh Jackman, great movie. I'm not gonna talk about the movie because I don't want to spoil it. But whether you know this movie or take whatever other mystery story that you know, think about it and think about that moment that's almost always at the end of the story, the climax, when essentially the mystery gets solved, right? And it's it's the revelation and then th- just take a moment, and think about how it felt when we discovered that they the secret of the mystery of who did it or what was really going on. And then all of a sudden it changes the way that you saw the entire story up to that point, right? Because if you're in a movie, a lot of times what they do is they'll even show you the flashbacks in the prior scenes, and you're like, oh, that's what was happening at that time. And it's like this big light bulb just clicks. And again, think about the feeling when we have that that revelation come at the end of these mystery novels or books or, or shows. See, for me, a lot of that feeling is just this feeling of, like, one, it's just this, like, shock and surprise if it's good. And then also just this excitement. And honestly, this joy and satisfaction, right? And just like, oh, like, that, that is so genius how it worked out that way. That feeling right there for me, that was actually what, came up for me when I was thinking about what does it feel like to love God with our minds? See, I think that when I, I guess when I was, I was even praying about this and I felt like what I wanted to share is that we might think that loving God with our minds is about having the right thoughts or the right um, answers or having our knowledge of the Bible and theology locked down. But I actually think, for me what it is, is it's actually this continued stepping into a posture of learning and a posture of curiosity where we never stop asking questions, we never stop seeking, and we never stop being open to being surprised Surprised and just blow, or having our minds blown by discovering new insights, new truth, new revelation about God, ourselves, and the world around us. So I, for me, I experience this when I get to study The Bible and um, as I said I went to UCLA in undergrad and when I was at UCLA I was a part of InterVarsity Christian Fellowship and one of their hallmarks is teaching us the inductive method of studying the Bible and if you are lean into this space of mind you love this (laughs) you love studying the Bible inductively Maybe I should have had the message be about teaching that method, but it's not. Um, At the core, studying the Bible inductively is approaching it inherently with a posture of curiosity and questioning, where you read a passage of the Bible and you ask, why is that there? What's going on beneath the surface? What is this referencing? And as you start to untangle these things, then you discover deeper and deeper insights. And I actually want to do this real quick for a passage. So this is actually not the, like this passage is not about the point of the message, but I want to use it as an example of for me when it happened that I um, really saw this in action and, and felt kind of that joy and excitement of discovering new insight so for if you haven't read the this story or, or heard of this story before I encourage you to go read it later it's in Matthew chapter 4 also Luke chapter 4 but it's a story of Jesus being tempted into the wilderness it's right before he begins his public ministry and so if you remember if you know the story Jesus is led into the wilderness to be tempted for, um, and he's fasting for 40 days and he encounters the devil and the devil comes and presents three different temptations to him. One, to turn stones to bread because he was hungry to feed himself. Two, he took Jesus to a high point on the temple and and told him to throw himself down to prove that God will save him. And then the the last one, when uh, Satan showed Jesus the kingdoms of the earth and he said, if you worship me, all this will be yours. So three different temptations. Jesus responds to each one quoting something. He says it is written and he basically does not succumb to the temptations. For the the, the bread one, he says man does not live on bread alone. For the second one, he says do not put the Lord your God to the test. And the last one, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Now, if you're like me, when I've, I've definitely heard this passage all throughout my life, and you know a lot of times the points will be around things like, um, okay, when you're facing temptation, then um, quote the scriptures, because um, that's what Jesus did. And that is um, definitely a fine point to make, for sure. But then when I started studying it inductively and started asking the questions, what is, what is sitting behind, the, why is Jesus saying this? and you start tracing it back, then you discover all these deeper insights. And I'm sure that many of you may already know this, so I'm probably saying some stuff that you already know. But it turns out that when Jesus responds to Satan and he says those three uh, rebukes and responses, he's quoting from the book of Deuteronomy. And Deuteronomy is essentially a reflection on the Israel's, on the Israelite story from being freed from slavery in Egypt and then talking about their journey in the wilderness that they journeyed for 40 years. And not only are this, these weren't just random teachings in the book of Deuteronomy, but they were actually references to very specific events in Israel's history. So the, the stone one, this was from, Uh, the the story where the Israelites are, they're hungry, and God brings down manna from heaven, and he invites them to take only what they need and to trust that he's going to continue providing. And um, they they can't do this. They fail at this. The second one was they, they started quarreling and questioning whether God was among them because they were thirsty. And so God brought this water from the rock at Massa, Um, But this was also seen as a failure in their history because they they started questioning whether God's presence was with them. And then the last one, um, one of the more famous stories is after uh, Moses, he went to commune with God on Mount Sinai and he got the 10 commandments while he was up there, the Israelites started worshiping the, the golden calf. And so there are three temptations here and they're actually linked to three points in Israel's history. And not just points, but these were specific moments of failure in their history. And so for a moment, think about what it would have been like if you were then hearing this passage of scripture and you're Jewish and you're seeing Jesus face these three temptations, respond with these three verses that were reflections on these events, what, what would be going on? You'd be going, this is our story. Jesus is living our story and not just our story. Jesus is actually entering in at the points of our greatest failures, our weakness, and our desperation. Boy, when I started realizing what was going on in this passage, I was like, whoa, whoever wrote this is genius. Like they're just so, it is so perfect how it lines up. And I, I didn't even do it justice, honestly. I invite you to go study, study the passage. But again, it was that feeling I got of, seeking and and probing and asking questions and being curious. And I was met with just more than what I could imagine of what this passage contains. And let me just say that the scriptures are full of this. This This is why the Bible is inspired because there is so much depth, so much nuance, so much, just so many layers. To the Bible, that as we continue to study it and go deeper, we are met over and over again with new insight and new truth. Now, this is true of the Bible, but it actually extends beyond the Bible as well. If you think about science, or history, or math, or music, or language, any of these areas, if we were to truly dedicate ourselves to studying and going deeper in these areas, I truly believe that what we would come away with is just how incredible, how detailed and how honestly just magnificent and majestic the world around us truly is. And so for me, what ultimately what happens is when we choose into this mode of engaging with God in our minds and studying and going deeper, it leaves us in awe and wonder at the genius of God, our creator, and how how incredibly good and amazing the world around us is. And another point. This is not just for ourselves. Now, if you were now, I'm probably you're probably seeing I'm getting excited talking about this. But when you see someone who is tapped in to the awe and wonder at something, it becomes contagious because you start seeing like like how I'm talking now. They get like kind of worked up and excited, and you see that person come alive. And that when you see that. One, I think it inspires people. And two, it brings connections with others because when when someone sees that and if they have that same passion or they've tapped into the on wonder in that area as well, there's just this natural connection that you're gonna make. And so for me, every time, except today because Kotz is not here, but every time I come to Westside, Kotz and I, end up talking about the Bible. Because he loves the Bible, I love the Bible, we both know that each other loves the Bible. And so when we're, when we're meeting, we just naturally, it honestly doesn't matter what we're talking about. Maybe this is a sermon, maybe it has nothing to do with the sermon. But we end up talking about the Bible because it is one of the most powerful and profound things to connect with someone over an area of passion. And it is honestly just one of the greatest joys in life to do that. So I even just want to want to give us just one one moment to think and reflect on as we think about loving God with our mind and with a an area. Maybe it's the scripture. Maybe it's another area in life. Can we think of a a moment or an area where where we experienced this, where we experienced awe and wonder and just amazement at just how perfect and genius something in our world really was. Take just a moment and think about that. All right, now I do wanna say one other thing about this, which is there is a dark side to loving God, or there's not a dark side to loving God, but there's a dark side to really leaning too heavily into this dimension of the mind. And that comes, I believe, when in the midst of pursuing more knowledge and truth and insights. As we get that, sometimes it's it's easy for that to become conflated with our ego and conflated with our own perception of ourselves and how honestly just how smart and intelligent we are. And what that does is then it it makes us start to think that the insight that we've gotten is is that's it, that's the end of the truth, that's the end all be all. So I actually wanna go back real quick to um, that Matthew 4, uh, Matthew 4 story, because there's this book that is honestly, it's great. I love this book as well. It's by Henry Nouwen, it's called In the Name of Jesus, and it's reflections on Christian leadership. And but for his framework of, of talking about this, it is going through the temptations of Jesus, but pulling out these metaphorical truths around what it what the challenges that we face as christian leaders now if i was to approach this book and be like well but is that really what the audience would have thought you know when they were reading that story or is this he didn't really address these references to the old testament do you see how that would just close me off to Something else that honestly is good and valid and powerful that of what Henry Nouwen is drawing from the scriptures. Because when we become so focused on our way of seeing things, we lose the posture of being a learner. And when we lose that, we lose humility, we lose the curiosity, and we lose the on wonder. And we, we move from this space of wanting to expand our minds and our thinking to having to defend our views and defend and convince others that the way that we're thinking about things is the right way. But if you talk to, honestly, if you talk to scientists or like anyone who's like an expert in their field, I feel like so often we will hear them say things like, you know what, the more that I've studied, the more that I've grown, the more that I've learned, I realize there is so much more to know. There is so much more to learn and grow. And so it actually leads us to a place of humility, not pride. And it is a good thing that there is so much of our world that, can, that is still so unknown because it means that we're always being invited into this posture of curiosity and learning and wanting to seek more of God's truth all around us. And so there are a couple of just invitations that I think uh, I would like to present for us here today. <clears throat> First, I think for some of us, maybe when I gave us that moment to think about it, there was something that came up of like, oh, you know what? I remember that feeling. I remember what having my mind blown by, by discovering this new insight or studying this thing. But I haven't experienced that in a long time. See, our brains, I think, are, are we're wired to focus on certain things. Like we're focused on. Uh, avoiding threats, minimizing threats. We're focused on how, to, how we appear to other people. And so when all of our attention is going to stuff like that, sometimes we just don't give time and attention to actually learning and growing and studying. And so, and I'm speaking for myself as much as for anyone else, that I think there's an invitation today to reclaim some of that joy that we have before of studying something, of really going deep, finding new insight, and allowing ourselves to be caught up in seeing God's majesty through the created world. And so perhaps for some of us today, God may be inviting us to reclaim that part by just choosing to study something again. And then the second invitation perhaps we're one of the people that we really insist that it has to be our way and what we are convinced that we've gotten the deepest insights. And not only that, but we have to convince other people that to see things the way that we do. And so I think perhaps for some of us, the invitation today is to surrender that need to convince others to see things the way that we do. And instead to embrace this posture of instead of having to convince, it's about sharing and connecting and ultimately loving each other through shared passion, through connecting and and wanting to share about the experience of having that wonder and awe together. And I truly believe that as we choose to engage more fully and more deeply into loving God through our minds and having that impact our relationships, that that will leave us with more joy in our lives and more hope in our lives and more love in our lives. So let me pray for us. And I wanna invite us to even as we step into worship again to reflect on these two invitations.